Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 197 with Noah Kagan of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What up, my fellow founders? Hello and welcome. My name is Nathan Chan. I'm the CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine and also the host of the Founder Podcast. And if you're new to the show, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation. And really, I try and break down what it takes for them to build and grow a successful business so you can learn from them too. So there's a lot happening uh, at Founder HQ. We've shot quite a few courses. We've got so much gold for you in store that we're releasing. I'm so excited to share this stuff with you. But enough about me. Let's talk about today's guest. His name's Noah Kagan. And uh, he's the founder of a company called Sumo.com. But uh, they they um, have a few different companies under the Sumo brand like King Sumo, App Sumo, all sorts of things. And he's a marketing genius. What's probably most interesting about this episode, though, you're going to learn a ton about marketing, a ton about Noah and how he develops products and how he's crushing it. But um, what's most interesting is this is unlike any podcast I've ever done before, probably like any unlike any podcast Noah's ever done before. He was a early stage employee at Facebook and he ended up being uh, fired by Mark Zuckerberg and uh, got a crazy story. But I think what's most crazy about this episode is Noah and I actually, I met when I first started Founder and uh, yeah, he actually, um, you know, I pitched him to be on the magazine and uh, yeah, we, we, just to be amicable, uh, things didn't go down so well when he was in Melbourne. And uh, yeah, we, we had a little bit of, um, 
you know, up and back over the years. And uh, we actually talk about that on the podcast, which is really interesting. Really, like he's a great guy. We're friends now, but um, you guys will find this interesting. So ton of gold shared, really interesting, fascinating interview. And uh, we get really, you know, candid because basically when I pitched Noah uh, to be on the magazine, he said no and, uh, you know, didn't go down that well. And I think the lesson here is, you know, just uh, always be humble, always be nice to people because you never know uh, where they're going to be in the future. But at the same time, like, you know, Noah is a great guy. I definitely not ratting on him. Uh, great interview. I know you're going to go, I know you guys are going to love this one. And if you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. Um, it helps more than you can imagine. Please do share this with your friend. Um, check out the other episodes, make sure you subscribe. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump to the show. So the first question I ask everyone that, um, comes on is how did you get your job? I kept getting fired, so I had to make my own jobs. <laughs> but, I mean, I, w- I was trying to be a good employee, but no one wanted me. Yeah, look, um, you've got a really interesting story. I'm not going to go into it because I know you've talked about it a lot. You were quite an early stage employee at Facebook. You invented the status update. But now you've gone on. You've, you've gone on from that. You've created some really, really uh, successful companies. Uh, you, you're early stage marketing at mint.com. You're, you're a brilliant marker. I'm a massive fan. I'm also a user of your products as well, uh, in particular Sumo and AppSumo. I've bought so many different things from you guys. But, um, you know, I just wanted to open the conversation because um, I met you when I just launch the magazine and this is going to be interesting this is going to be a really raw and interesting interview i met you when i i just launched the magazine um i just got an interview with richard branson we're about four months in and um when you first like get started and like this the melbourne startup scene isn't that hot there's a there's some really successful stuff but you know you just go to events and you're just trying to work things out and uh you came down to melbourne and you were speaking at uh a university and, um, well, at a university building and it was like a big thing that you were coming down. So I went and man, I thought you were like the coolest guy ever. Um, there was a few <laughs> other, there were a few other speakers there. There were, there were some that like, you know, by all means have, have, you know, achieved like in terms of success, like built and sold like some big companies. Um, do you remember the guy from retail me not? He was there. Um, yeah. yeah, like there was some beasts there, but like there was something about you. Like you just seemed like the coolest badass dude and I was like man I've got to speak to this guy I've got to try and interview him and um so after like the the talk or the kind of fireside chat I come up to you I lined up and um everyone was lining up to speak to you and I remember you even like man you're like go go speak to Bevan he's way more successful than me and uh, the guy from retail we not and um I still you know I was like I want to get this guy on the magazine and and I, I remember I pitched you. I was like, man, like I, I run this magazine and, uh, you know, I, I, like I'd love to interview you for it. And uh, you, you were just like, man, like don't take this the wrong way, but like why would I go and be interviewed um, like on your magazine? Like like you've got no reach. I've never heard of you. Um, like I just come off Pat Flynn's podcast. Like do you know how many downloads that got me? Um, wow. You're like, like what a, what no a offense, dick. man. And then you're like. Look, I'll tell you what, 
Um, just because I said no now doesn't mean uh, it's forever. Like, here's my business card, and you gave me a, a Sumo Me sticker. Uh, not a Sumo Me, an App Sumo sticker, and then walked away. And I was just gutted, man. And, um, yeah, kind of like, you know, we, we, we have a lot of mutual friends. And, and as I've, like, worked my fucking ass off to hustle and try and build founder, um, you know, we, we've kind of, in, in a way, kind of been introduced to other people. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't I, – and I, when I said, like, you know, when, when you know, we were talking about, you know, doing something together um, with founder and, and sumo, um, I, I just had to tell you, like, not in a jerk way, cause I have nothing but respect for your work, everything you do. I'm a massive fan. I'm a customer of your product, but I just had to say, look, man, like you rubbed me up the wrong way a very, very long time ago. And like, I would personally want to know if, if somebody did that to me. Um, and yeah, it kind of, it kind of didn't go gel too well with you. And then, yeah, no, but now I've reconnected and like, like I said, there's no beef, but like, uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened, man. That's a, you know, it's one, it's interesting. And I appreciated you telling me, I definitely was pissed off. Uh, when you emailed me, like this was, I think now about a year ago, you're like, Hey man, you remember three years ago, you were a dick to me in Melbourne. <laughs> and I was like, it's like, I don't even remember it. And it's not that you're not, not important enough to remember or that I'm even so great. Um, I, I think what's interesting because after that moment, it made me start reflecting on like, all right, how how do I communicate to others? And am I can I stand behind what I'm saying? Because I think we just do things and like I honestly I just fucking kept going and didn't even think about it. And for you, it, it you know it was a big thing. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Like yeah, hundred percent. And and then you know part of like us connecting again was you were reaching out and you wanted to do a partnership. And I, and I was just like, wow, like, you know, you just never know. Sometimes it's good. Like you just never know like one day, you know, just one day and <laughs> you know what like, I mean? Pay, payback's a bitch. <laughs> but no, I didn't I mean, mean it they, like they, that, but you know what I mean? But no, it's, just, no, I, it's just one of those things, right? Well, I think the two things like uh, that I've learned from that is that one, just be aware of how you're communicating with others. So, you know, for example, I tried to meet with this guy uh, recently and he's like, sure, we'll meet. And then he canceled on me. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then he canceled again. And then he canceled four times. And at the end of the fourth time, I was just like, all right, well, you're done. Like, I'm done with you. And um, it's not that he, I don't mind him canceling. It's just like, I think be aware of how you might be treating others. Like, he should have just never committed to meeting me. So that was just one thing where, you know, be intentional, just straight up. Like, hey, man, I really want to help you with your magazine. Just not right now is not a good timing. So as people are approaching me now, my focus is around Sumo. And I'm saying, hey, I'm not really doing any meetings outside of Sumo until 2018. And it's not a mean thing, but it's just very clear talking. The other thing is like, you know, one thing you made me reflect on, Nathan, is serendipity. There's so much serendipity in business. And so the hard part, though, is, you know, as you get, you know, it's not necessarily just more successful, but as you, as you choose your priorities better, like you're going to say no to things. Because if you're saying yes to everything, you're probably not getting what you want. 100%. And, you know, a lot of the people that have been able to help me in my career are, and I've been able to help them is from serendipity is that I said yes to that interview. I said yes to that meeting, you know, like Tim Ferriss, Ramit Sethi, a lot of the people like Max Levchin, you know, a lot of these people that, you know, have helped me and I've uh, been able to work with them over the past 12 years is because someone said, Hey, you should go meet this guy or do this thing. And so it's something I still, you know, I don't know if it's a struggle, but I try to find the balance of when do you say yes to something and when do you say no? And I think secondly, is like, how do you also make sure if you say no, just do it in a, in a respectful way. 
Yeah, dude, it is so hard. Like you have to say no, like so often. So now it brings me to like the real kick. I'm curious. Um, and this is, makes part of a really interesting interview. Like you, you wrote back to me and we're getting really raw here and going really deep. Like you wrote back, you, you wrote to me like, you like, like, cause I could see you were pissed off. And I, I was like, man, like no beef, like, but you didn't, you didn't want to have a bar. And I was like, oh geez. Okay. Well, I really rubbed up no the wrong way. Um, and I just kind of left it and, um, you wrote to me and you said, Let, let's be friends. Why? You know, it's funny. Have you ever sent an email to someone and then like later that night or the next day you start just thinking about it? Yes. And I think everyone has some experience where like later that day or the, you know, a week later, you're like, man, I don't know if I did that the way I wanted it to be. And, uh, I have, you know, two thoughts for myself is that one, the internet is a small world. So the fact that we've come back to around four years later, when I met you randomly at a comp, you know, at a university room in Melbourne is not really as surprising. The internet is small. So I do think people should be aware uh, of how you treat others. And I do, you know, you were pissed about it. And I was like, dude, I didn't even realize it. It's not, you know, I could have easily had my ego and be like, well, he, he's nobody. And I'm a, so it's like, who cares? Mm. Uh, so for me, it's like, all right, let's move forward on it. The second thing uh, that I've done, and this was actually from college is that whenever you're sending an email that might be a little bit more sensitive, like, cause I had a response to your first email, but I didn't send it to you. Um, <laughs> what was and, it? And Say, so, it was just like, you know, like, fuck you. And you no, know, dude, come on. Like I was at a conference and had all these people, I can't do every single interview. But, um, one thing my, my university professor taught me, which is an interesting story was I was, uh, I was at UC Berkeley and I wasn't, you know, the president of the business school, whatever. Hmm. And, uh, and so he, the Dean of the business school did something. So I wrote this email to him and all the deans and like these other people. And I, and I sent this nasty email. I was like, you're a liar. And you said you'd do this and you're not doing it and blah, blah, blah. And it was right. It was actually very true and accurate, but he emails me back and he says, his name was Dan. He says, no, you know, whether it was right or wrong next time, save that email for 24 hours, just save it in the drafts folder, 24 hours. And I've never forgotten that lesson. Cause there are a lot of emails that people send me stuff and I'm just like, all right, you probably should have saved that in the draft. And I saved it in the draft and you know, a day or two, however long it took me later. I was like, look, this is some guy I'm probably going to work with again. It was probably a misunderstanding. So let's be friends and then talk about it. And that's why we're here now on the show. Mm. Yeah, no, look, I, I really appreciate your humbleness there, man. And like, I think one thing that's key, right. And, and I let it get the best of me too, is, is you shouldn't let emotion come into business what are your thoughts on that emotion and business I, I i like emotion in business i love being fucking fired up i love being, you know a few weeks ago in the morning i was like angry every day for the whole week and i was excited how angry i got really what angry angry kind of, <laughs> nah, just people were doing stupid shit and so i'm like fucking fired up and i was like thank god i'm angry it, it means i care uh I, and, you know, I, I think you should work on things that you're, you get fired up about, or if you do sales, like you should be selling something that you're like, I give a fuck about this. And the issue is, you know, I think what, to your point though, emotion is where you're like, I'm going to do something irrational and because I'm emotional. And I think that's probably where people get a little bit mistaken. And I, you know, I've done that in the past and I probably still do that stuff, but I think there is a balance of have passion and fire and emotion on things. And then certain decisions though, are you're like, all right, is this actually just a totally emotional irrational decision? Or is this the logical best decision for the business? And I think that probably was there needs to be some time uh, to to think through that. Mm. So 
Let's um, like I just want to say, like I'm really glad and, and humbled and honoured that that we have moved forward, and and we're, I, I can call you a friend, and and I, you're a very very smart, intelligent person that I respect a lot. Sometimes, I'm glad we can, sometimes I, I'm glad we can connect and move forward. So, talk to me about Sumo. As I said, I'm a big fan. Uh, we're a customer. We use your product. It, it's done some amazing things for us at Founder. Um, I want to talk to you about growing and scaling and, and, and in particular problems that I've seen from the outside that you might be experiencing that, that I, I'm curious that, um, like how you're approaching them and, and, and these new challenges. So, uh, first of all, is your, is your team like, so, so I, I noticed that you're working a lot on your personal brand. You're trying to grow your YouTube channel, which I think is very, very smart. Are you that involved in the day-to-day operations with Sumo Yes, no. If not, how come? <laughs> yeah. Well, so finishing the the previous section, I I think for everyone listening, if if you have someone that you hate, or if you have someone that you think <laughs> you hate, or if you have a no, no, for real, or like yeah. I think two things that are helpful, you know, not everything is in binary and twos, but uh, just a suggestion for everyone out there is like if there's someone that you've had like beef with, or you think you have beef, or you're not even sure, like is it even really worth it? And just go send them an email or a text, a phone call to like. I don't even know why we're being stupid and let's resolve it. The second thing that, uh, you know, the guys on the team like bar is a great example of this is ask for feedback. So if you're doing things wrong or if people are mad or if you've done anything, then even positive things, just be like, Hey, can I get feedback when you're doing sales or when you're doing marketing or when you're working with other people? Uh, I find asking, you know, taking initiative and say, Hey, can I have feedback about how this went? Uh, is a helpful thing. So your feedback is helpful so that next time I'm at events, I'm more aware of how I talk to people. Uh, and to, great, to the man. sumo, yeah. Um, and to the sumo thing, you know, it's been, uh, I've been doing this business seven years and I, 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 someone said it to me recently that a lot of business and life is seasons. We think of seasons as the weather changes, but there's seasons with our own lives and you go through seasons with when you're you know excited about your business and there's plateaus in your business. And so when I started the year with sumo.com, uh, I took a, I was, you know, I kind of took a sabbatical from the day to day and I moved to more of, we're not big enough to have chairman, but our chairwoman. But I was kind of doing more of uh, my podcast and, and YouTube. Uh, the business did okay. It wasn't really doing that well. And so around July, I came back uh, full-time to help out with the marketing. Gotcha. And so you're lucky enough, though, that you you have a, an amazing team in place that you can kind of step out? Yeah, I'm – you know, I wonder, luck, I don't believe in hope or luck. <laughs> I just don't, it's like, I think a lot of us make our own luck. Like, is it luck that you grew founder or is it that you worked your ass off for the past four years? There's some luck involved for sure, but you've definitely created that luck for yourself. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't believe in hope. Like people are like, oh, I hope this works out. I hope this marketing does well. I hope it's like, no, make it do well, guarantee it, go per, like do whatever it takes instead of kind of hoping for that. Uh, I think the the thing I've been blessed with and the thing I'm most fortunate about is the people I get to be around. And I hate when people say that shit. I don't know if you, it annoys you too. <laughs> They're like, oh, I love my team. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Because you seem like a dick. <laughs> Not you, but some of the people. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I think for a lot of people, um, what I've realized over you know doing this business and Facebook and you know all my other companies that I've been a part of uh, is literally the people are the only thing that matter. Like it, it really, at the end of the day, the people you work with are the only thing that matter. And as you want to grow any type of business, offline or online, you have to have more people to grow. It's literally impossible until the robots get really smart. And, uh, and so I think more, more people don't, most people don't spend enough time recruiting and working on with the people or on the people 
uh, that are in their businesses. So yeah, I've spent, I don't know, seven years looking for the best people in the world to, to work with. Mm, yeah, no, look, um, and and you're very, very good at it. Like there was a person that uh, we worked with um, who who was a contractor or did some writing for us and you end up hiring her. She She's an absolute superstar. And I, I respect and admire just, just, just what you're doing there. So let's just talk about that remote, the, the, the hiring piece. Cause, cause I, yeah. I find, I think that's one of the hardest things. I, that's what I personally I'm experiencing, especially here in Melbourne. I find it very, very hard to, to, to really find great talent. I'm, I'm going remote now, but I'm curious, is all your team remote? Cause now, cause now you're back in Sumo. You said you're, you're really kind of full time. Are you, are you guys fully remote, fully local or hybrid? What are your thoughts yeah, on that? So my thought, we've, I'll tell you, our business has evolved over the years. So when I started out, it was just me in a basement mm-hmm. and then we were all remote uh, and then we were all in an office and then now we're kind of in a hybrid. So I would say a hundred percent confidence. The most productive companies are all in the same place. So look at the, you know, here's the, and things are changing, but the top hundred fortune companies, like the majority of them have a centralized office. Let's even take the top like 100 tech companies. The majority of them have a centralized office. And name five very, very big decentralized companies. Most people will name two. They'll name WordPress and they'll name Basecamp or 37signals. Yeah. And so the reality is like, all right, well, everyone is winning is doing that. Only two exceptional cases are over here. So there's you know, some things you should try to innovate and some things you should just copy. And uh, for me, what I've realized with hiring is that one, it always needs to be ongoing. So how much time are you allocating your week for hiring? One thing I've added done recently, which has been really helpful, uh, is is that in my emails, so with my autoresponder, I have an autoresponder email that says, hey, if you ever think you'll ever want to work with me, just give me your information. Put your LinkedIn and your name and your email here. And basically, like every day, I get like two to five new people that join my mailing list that are like, oh, yeah, maybe I'd work with them in the future. Yeah, uh, and so it kind of keeps, yeah, it's kind of ongoing recruiting. What most people do with recruiting is amnesia. They're like, oh, shit, I need to go find this girl or guy to do marketing or do sales. Let me start from zero versus, you know, building up your, you know, uh, like baseball or football or I guess soccer teams or rugby. It's like, do you have your bench? Do you have your minor league players? So how are you building up people so that when you are ready, you already have those people ready for you? Another thing uh, for hiring, I think more people can do better is how are you just trying to find it? I always think of it as a dream team. Like, how can you just find literally the best in the world at different things? So. What I do is that whenever I find anybody that I'm like, holy fuck, that was amazing, I literally do whatever it takes to get them on the phone and whatever it takes to do a project together. So a lot of the people that we've been hiring, it's like we did a project of some sort uh, in some capacity. Uh, and that's the way that to me, it's like you, the best people in the world, are. You, it's noticeably how much greater uh, the company becomes. And so to your point about location, I, I think the future is going to be hybrid where the majority in the office and the best people in the world for us are not in Austin, Texas right now. But I want the best in the world. So wherever they are, let's hire them and then try to bring them out as often as we can to be in the office with us. Mm. And what are your thoughts on utilizing contractors? I read an article you guys wrote. It is really interesting where you got a guy. I think he was from Australia, kind of like an outside consultant to come in. He wrote a guest post and he was he 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 tried to he was a content marketer. He had an agency and he helped grow the blog. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? So that's- yeah, so Chris is a guy. It's exactly the same story I just told you. I found one of his blog posts online about how, uh, he wrote an article about how HubSpot grew, and it was like one of the mo- it was just different, and it was so impressive that I hadn't seen anything like that in I don't know how long. And so I said, hey, you know, I have a blog, 
I want to promote your articles. Do you want to write one together and I'll promote you? And so you'll get a lot of new business. You know, what's good for him? So we did it and the article blew up. He wrote one about intercom. And I was like, holy shit, this guy is just, he's great to work with. His quality was, it was amazing. He had a great attitude. And, you know, we're starting to look for a content writer for the Sumo blog. And I was like, I've already worked with this guy. And it's, and the point is like, it's always great to just do a project of some sort with people so you can know how they work. That's like truth versus like, oh, you know, like a, when you do an interview process, you're really just trying to get confidence to see how much full of shit they are and like how likely they are to do good or not good. That's really what you're doing. You're like, all right, here's my bar of if I believe them or not. But a project, you actually get to see it. And so with Chris, he was in China at the time. He's Australian, but he's living in China. And I literally just messaged him this. I said, hey, what would it take for you to come work with us in our office full time starting next week? And he's like, he basically named it. And then I said, sure. And then he, came, he was living in our office next week. Yeah, wow. So you have to work, you know, and at the end of the day, everyone's got their own motivations and goals. You have to try to understand what it is and give it to them. But the point being is that the best people in the world just do whatever it takes to work with them. And just be aware, like I'm on the lookout always for either marketing or for sales. Like if I, someone emails me like a cold email, that's like, Hey, I'm a, you know, here's a service. And I'm like, damn, that was a good email. I just start talking to them. I'm like, Hey, I don't want your service maybe, but I think you're really good at sales. Like are you, if you're ever looking, let's, you know, stay in touch. Mm, because one thing as well, I find is, is some of these really, really talented people, they have their own agency or, or they're freelancer with a, you know, a book of clients. How do you approach that or how do you convince them to come and join you? Because you may yeah, not be I able mean, to pay them as much money. Well, so Eamon, who's amazing, he's the guy who runs all of AppSumo. And our, we actually have a new product that's, I don't even, it's unreleased yet. It'll probably be up on this podcast called briefcasehq.com. Eamon loves contractors. <laughs> and he's like, he loves it. And he, the way he looks at it is kind of like going on dates. Because uh, most people will go be a contractor. Like you can hit up almost anyone at any company that has a job and says, hey, can I pay you 100 an hour, 200 an hour, 50 an hour to be a contractor and help me out? And the interesting thing with that is that almost everyone will say yes. And then if it actually works out for them, it, it makes it a lot easier to then convert them into full time. Um, the thing that I, I would cautious people of is that you don't want to build a team of mercenaries, though. Uh, you want to build a team of loyalists. You want to build a band, not rock stars. And so sometimes with contractors, you get like all these people that are just literally mercenaries that are there for the money. And then if things go bad or you stop paying them, they check out. And is that what happened to you in the early days or? I've definitely had that. You know, we've had people over, you know, and we've had, oh man, so many different hiring and firings and quittings. Um, like someone just, you know, quit today and uh, I was excited for him. And so, and I've had other people we've let go that, you know, it made sense. So like for those two people, um, the guy who quit today, he's been worked with our company for three years. He's put in a good run. And I think honestly, it was time for him to go for himself and for the business. And it's not nothing negative. It's actually better for him and better for the company. And you bring on someone new who's fitting to where the company is now and where it's going. And we've hired people in the past, man, where um, they were definitely a rock star, meaning that like their work was phenomenal, but they didn't actually want to be a team player. And you can't build a great band with a rock star. It's a band. Each person contributes to the overall music, not a rock star. Uh, and so, you know, I was called a maverick. And, you know, the reality is he was a maverick. And so I was like, dude, you got to be a maverick. Uh, and you got to go do your own thing. And, and that's better for him and better for our business, too. Mm, so once you, once you found this rock star, um, how do you ensure this person does their best work? Because I think that that's a challenge, too. Like, how do you, how do you lead? 
Yeah, man, great question. Uh, the best rock stars are, you know, the thing is you can be a rock star as, as long as you're okay being in a band. Some people don't want to be as part of a team. Uh, and that's fine, but you shouldn't be a part of a team. So what I've noticed for the people, uh, you know, I work with people on some of the OK Dork stuff and the people in Sumo and AppSumo. Here's what I've realized of the most amazing people ever. You, they basically need two things. They need a goal and they need boundaries. And if you can give them a goal and boundaries and then really leave them the fuck alone, you'll be very successful. And that's where they'll actually be able to do their best work. Because the great people don't need to be babysat. Whenever I have someone where I'm like, oh, I have to go help them with this and I have to do that for them and I have to do this for them. I'm like, well, why am I paying them to do their job? They should be paying me to teach them. And it's not as an arrogant thing. It's more that I need to be hiring the right people who they're showing, they're teaching me things. And so the, really the two guidelines that I look at is like, all right, what's the end zone look like? And what are their boundaries? And then let them play however they want to play. Because uh, amazing people don't want to be told what to do. And then from there, they'll go and create and innovate amazing things. Uh, and you know, those are the two things that I've noticed. Mm, and But what about, I'm curious around, the standards, like setting the bar, and I, I watched a video once. It was a really good video. Your YouTube video is good, man. Like, there's you, thank you. You, you share some good stuff. Um, I appreciate that. I noticed, um, and this is approach. This is an approach like a from uh, you, have you. I'm sure you've read it. Scaling up by Vern Harnish around mm -hmm. the standups, the daily stand, uh, not the not the um, the weekly traffic light reporting meetings. Yeah, I'm really curious when you set those goals. Like you said, you, you know set goals, have those boundaries. How do you know if the goal set too high? And what if that person isn't meeting it? Like, how do you gauge whether the goal's too high or it's, it's not or. Yeah. So we have different people. I, I can't tell, you know, I can't tell everyone what they should do. I can only speak from my own experiences. I'm, I'm thinking of a few stories recently. One of the people in our team, I pushed him too hard and he was like, yo, F you. And I was like, <laughs> Whoa, okay. That's good. It's good. And I think what happened there is because we were doing email and text messaging and Slack instead of phone call, it caused confusion. So I would encourage people to say, as you're doing your weekly check-ins with people, to understand like, hey, you're on goal or not on goal. If you're not on goal, am I pushing you hard? Am I pushing you too hard? Not hard enough, whatever that is. I think people like goals. I don't know. That's something I've noticed recently. Like Chris, the guy from uh, Australia, like he loves to have something to do achieve and he's progressing towards it. I think you have to figure out each person has different styles. So like, you know, I don't know if you work out, some people at the gym want to be yelled at like, yeah, you're a bitch. Yeah. You'll never be able to lift that. You're a punk. And then other people want to just be like, I just want positive encouragement. Like, oh, you're special and no one else be able to lift this. And wow, you're Hercules or, you know, you're Wonder Woman. And so I think you kind of have to tailor it to each person. I think you also, the, the thing that I've realized with working with people this year more than others, uh, I've learned a few things for myself. But number one is that you have to have put everybody in their strongest positions. So what does that mean? If you're in basketball, you don't put the center as a point guard. Why? Because a point guard needs to be dribbling and flexible and movable and agile. And a center is not meant for that. And I don't think people realize that in business where, you know, we have a guy, Brandon. I love Brandon. He's great at making videos. He works with me on all, all the videos on OK Dork and YouTube. And I try, I try to get Brandon to do marketing and like analytics. I'm like, Brandon, I need you to go analyze keywords to figure out what should we be creating content around. And he like didn't do anything for like two weeks. <laughs> I'm like, Brandon, what's up, dog? I'm like, I'm going to fire you. Not in a mean <laughs> way. But, and, he, and then I was like, oh, it's not that. It's just that he is a creative. And I'm trying to put him in an analytical role. And so I do think that's something that I've become much more aware of. It's like, what is their power move? And then am I putting him in that place? So like another guy on the sumo.com team is Eric, who's our product manager. 
And he's a great, he's a phenomenal project manager. Like he gets stuff organized. He makes sure everyone's on task. He's a good communicator around it. And then I was expecting him to do other things. But the more I started looking at him in this, you know, in his power play and his power move, he's been phenomenal. And so I think that's something that uh, we need to get better at uh, as we're working with people. Like, are they doing their best positions? And same for yourself. Like if you're a great interviewer, if you're a great marketer, how much time are you actually spending doing that versus other things? And if it's those other things, hire someone else to do it. Mm, yeah, I like that. Um, one thing that like I find is is because we are a small team though, like I'm talking from personal experience, sometimes you have to have someone that does a few different roles. Yeah. No, that <laughs> you know, life changes, right? Like when I was starting <laughs> out, like you got to do all the work. I, I think when you start any business, especially for founders, the best thing is to do everything yourself at least once so you understand it. Like learn a little bit of code, little, yeah, learn a little bit that. of support learn the marketing, learn the sales, learn the design, so that when you talk to the people or you hire the people, you have some concept of it. At least that's that's been my experience. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, just coming back to the goals question, because I really want to nail that. So um, with Chris, for example, I think it was, you know, I think you guys had to hit uh, a 1 million monthly uniques or, or something along those lines for the Sumo blog. How did you know that that was like, the right number what if it was 1.2 and like like how did you gauge that whether it was too high or too low or just right so it's funny you ask that because that was actually that be that became the wrong goal <laughs> really and, and i find yeah so what it was two hundred and fifty thousand. it was a certain amount of uniques a month yep and the way that we run our companies in the sumo group which is you know, appsumo.com and sumo.com each company basically gets one goal for the year that's what I learned at Facebook, and I still stick to that to this day. Like, what is your one company goal, and does every single person in your company know that goal? And then do you review it on a weekly and monthly basis with the whole team? Yep. And what happens is that from that goal, each team has goals that should add up to it. And right? It's pretty the simple. Traffic light comes into it. Yeah. Exactly. So let's say we wanted to make just keep it really simple. We want to make a million dollars. All right. So the marketing team needs to bring two hundred thousand visitors which will lead to, you know, 1000 signing up for the product and 1000 going to the sales team. And you know, it's like, okay, that math, then you do the math. And so what happened is we had this traffic goal and we got the traffic number, but it turns out that when you get that many visitors, most of the quality of it wasn't actually good customers. So it wasn't actually a good goal for us to set on. And and that's the hard part because a lot of people in startups are like you're like, "Oh, we have to change our goal." And so sometimes you should, and then sometimes you shouldn't. And uh, they're like, I don't want change. I'm like, well, we could get 300,000, but the business isn't growing. So that's the main, main thing with the goal is that if you have a goal for your teams, does that actually making, is that turning the dial? Because we could get 300,000, 400,000, 500,000, but the business wasn't changing. Same, same with AppSumo. In the first two years, my only goals were email related goals. I want my mailing list to be half a million. I want my mailing list to be a million. And at, when we went from half a million to a million, our revenue didn't go up. Yeah, wow. But when we went from... When we went from zero to 500,000, our revenue kept growing. And the reality is, is that businesses change. Your customers change. You have to mature and evolve. And so uh, the, the goal changed. And so you have to be able to do that on a you know, yearly basis or if it's really off, you know, maybe sooner. So with Chris and the marketing team, I'll just tell you, we've evolved to an SQL goal. So that means sales qualified lead. So instead of just like, hey, get thousands and hundreds of thousands of visitors to the blog, the blog is responsible for generating a certain amount of sales qualified leads, meaning that it's people qualified to actually talk to the sales team. 
And what we're recognizing about that is that that may not even be the right goal because we're driving the, the target number of SQLs, but the sales team isn't hitting the number. So the next evolution is that there's going to probably be marketing qualified leads, meaning we just sign up people that are self-serve and then we have to sign up a certain amount of people that are, and the sales team has to generate their own sales qualified leads through outbound marketing. Uh, anyway, so the, the whole point of it is that uh, every, the businesses, you need to identify what the problems are. And then if you're, if you hit your goal, but it's still not changing the business, then you need to reevaluate it. Yeah, no, I, you're a very analytical data driven guy. I love, like I loved, um, that breakdown you've always done. It was a while ago. You said, um, you said like you, you did something, you, you put out a spreadsheet. It was a very, very basic spreadsheet. It was like, like a quant quant marketing spreadsheet or something yeah. it, like you say, like, like what you did at mint. Can you explain that to me? Cause I think it's a really, really valuable yeah. lesson. Well, so I'll just tell you one of my, I'll, I'll give you a concrete example. So right now, one of the marketing channels that we're, we're trying to grow Sumo on, which helps people grow their email list is through Shopify. And I'll just tell you, this is exactly what I'm doing now. So Shopify, we have around 6,000 uh, active users every day using the, the Sumo uh, plugin. And my goal, so here's how I do quant-based marketing. This is why I don't believe in hope. <laughs> is that, I, okay, so I, what you do is you basically do a few things. I think it's around three, but it's pretty, it's straightforward. And, and there, I'll give you a good analogy at the end of it. You pick your goal. So my goal is 15,000 installs, which then leads to a revenue goal that we're trying to hit. But I want to hit 15,000 installs by the end of the year. Okay. So that means if I'm at 6,000 today, I need to go from, you know, then you work backwards. Well, I need to go six to 10 in a month and then 10 to 15. Okay. I get it. So that means I need 4,000 this month. Then you have to map out how exactly am I going to get 4,000? I'm going to get 1,000 from ads. I'm going to get 100 from partnerships. I'm going to get 500 from content marketing. And you make a list of all the things you can do to add up to that 4,000. And you go and do it. And it, you can check it on a weekly or monthly basis. How many am I actually getting from these different activities? So that the next month you can actually update it so it's even more accurate. So that some of them that are working, you do more. And the ones that aren't working, you do less. And then the th that's why I don't believe in hope. I want to plan exactly what I expect it to do, do it, and see how it, it performs. The, the best analogy that I've, I don't know, I don't know if people really get it when I talk like that, but for me, I think about, all right, if you're going anywhere, if you're driving somewhere, if you're flying somewhere, you go, you pick your destination, you say, all right, I'm going to go to Melbourne today, which is an awesome city. I love that city. I think it's probably the best in Australia. I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I know that's going to cause some, that's going to cause some drama, but I love Melbourne. Man. It was cool as shit. But yeah. if I was going to Melbourne, I'd say I'm going to Melbourne. That's my destination. Then I plan my route. So I'm going to get to the airport, fly to this thing, then take an Uber or a taxi to my hotel. Okay, let's say I get to the airport and now the Ubers are on strike. Okay, well now I have to change. So it's the same thing with your marketing. You plan your destination. You pick the route that you think will happen, as you, and as you go on it. You figure out which ways are better and you continue and which ways are worse and you stop. And so that's how, you know, we've done our marketing throughout our whole business. Like we have a launch next week. Like we did the same thing. How much revenue do we want to generate in this launch? What are all the things we're going to do? And then we'll go execute on it and see how it goes. Yeah, no. Awesome. I, I like this approach. Um, one thing you talked about was was email list size and, and, and quality of leads and Sometimes I just I always wanted to raise this. Sometimes I think it's easy to get caught up in these vanity metrics that uh, people use to, I guess, tell themselves that they're growing or their business is growing. And I, I'm guilty of it too. You know, the size of our email list, the size of you know our social following, this traffic to our site. And I think um, I think it's really really good and smart 
that you guys actually were measuring that those leads weren't converting? How did you work that out? So that's a great point. And I think it's so funny because it's kind of like a penis size thing where it's like, <laughs> I've got all these emails, but what's actually really more important or it's even on Instagram or any of these things, it's like, yeah. I've got, you know, like Sumo, we have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Get this though. We've put out, you know, we'll put out once a week or every other week. Like, Hey, if you want to use Sumo, go buy here, go use this. Literally no joke, $0 in sales from Instagram. Zero. Difficult for Nothing. SaaS product, hey? Yeah, well, I, or we just suck. So one of the two, um, mm. or both. But the point being is that I think people kind of look at the outside and be like, well, you have to grow an email list, or you have to do Instagram, or you have to do this. And I think what more businesses need to do is say, what's actually working for my business? So with an email list, I'm personally interested in is not the size of your email list, but how many people actually open and click and do the things you want them to do. That's actually what matters more. Um, that that's kind of what I look at. So your question about the marketing thing was that we we grew our traffic and and actually two years ago when we grew our traffic it did correlate to more sales. So it was like more traffic gave us more emails, gave us more money, and and it turned out to not be the case. So we had to be a little bit more intentional about like are we writing the content that's attracting the type of person we want, and then are we encouraging that person to give us an email or go register for Sumo? Mm, that makes sense. Okay, so let's switch gears. Um... New, another update I saw a while ago, which I thought I thought it was a smart move. Um, uh -oh. I thought it was a smart move was the domain, the domain acquisition, sumo.com for seven figures. We we bought founder.com about a year ago. It didn't cost how seven much? I can't say. Um, oh, you but, can't you say five yeah. figures? Yeah, 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 yeah. High, high five. Um, wow. So that was that was a whole another interesting story. And, and a lot of people thought I was stupid doing that. Um but then you come out and, and you bought Sumo uh, and you spent, you know, a, a lot more money than we did, which I think is really, really interesting. Why? Can you explain to people why and what the what the thought process behind it? Like it's a branding play essentially, right? Yeah. You know, I will say I suck at branding and I'm still not very good at it, nor do I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I would say though with Sumo.com is that I spent seven years getting it and... Uh, the main thing I think about is that have you ever, you know, everyone knows what buyer's remorse is. Everyone knows like, oh, I bought this car, or this thing, or, you know, I shouldn't have drank that last beer at the pub, mate, or whatever it is. Like there's always some type of buyer's remorse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know if people actually reflect on when do you get buyer's elation? What's that? Like the opposite of that. So the buyer's elation is when you buy something and after you buy it, you're even happier. Like your happiness increases sustainably. So I've been, since I've had it, like, I'm so happy to say the domain. And every time I see a new Sumo company, like, launch, there's a bunch of companies now that add the word to it. I'm like, ah, guess what? Who's got the main domain? Sumo.com. There's debate whether domains are valuable in the future because, you know, more people are doing mobile apps and, or Instagram handles. So who cares about the domain? Uh, but for me, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, I love that, you know, we worked really hard for it. There's only one in the world. Uh, and I'm very proud of it. And also the second part of it is that whenever you're, if you're trying to buy something you really want, one, can you rent it at all? Is there any way you could rent it? So you don't have, you can see if you actually like it or two, is there ways to get creative with financing? So when we say we bought it for a million and a half, people are like, Oh damn, that's hella crazy. Um, which it is <laughs> sometimes I'm like, damn, it's a lot of money. But the reality is, is that we paid half a million up front and we're paying over the next five years. So I didn't actually have to fork out a million and a half. So if you're ever trying to buy something you want, can you give them equity? Can you do a profit share? Can you spread it out over a number of years? Can you, you know, rent to own? Shit like that. Like there's creative ways of getting what you want. Mm. And 
have you been able to see besides like the branding play and besides um the the awesome feeling and and just you know because because i agree like i i know a couple of companies with sumo in it and they have actually told me that that there is some confusion sometimes um like is that noah's thing and stuff um, yes good. Uh, what other impacts like have you seen I'm just really curious, like, have you seen any other notable impacts or anything that you can correlate back to the domain change? Um, it would have hurt for SEO for a while, I'm sure. That would have been yeah, painful. It, it did. Yeah. It, it it's did. hurting it us right now. Our SEO. Yeah, it's hurting yeah, us Yeah, right man, now. it hurt us for a good like, six months. Yeah. Totally. Um, we didn't actually, I haven't seen, like, because we're sumo.com, people go crazy and, like, our business skyrocketed. Um, <laughs> no. I will tell you, it fucked our SEO, same as yeah. yours. The one thing, you know, I, I do try to, you know, we try to pattern match in life. I try to pattern match. And most public companies, almost every public company and most large tech companies have the main brand. Yes. So Slack started off as Slack HQ. Dropbox was Git Dropbox. Facebook was the Facebook. But all of them ended up getting the main domain. And what I will say is that when you're doing recruiting or when you're trying to be a bigger company, you have to think bigger. And when you have a bigger brand, like, hey, we are sumo.com. Uh, I think that definitely sends a message to ourselves and our mindset and then also the people we're trying to bring into the company. Mm, I agree. There's something very special about that one word, the one word domain. I think it's it, like yeah. when you live in a city, like if you live in Melbourne, I'm sure there's an area where you're like, oh, shit, Nathan lives in the one area. That's crazy, mate. Versus <laughs> like, you know, that one other area that's like the bum area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. It's like it definitely, it's definitely, yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so like, how do you feel now? Like now that you've owned Founder.com for a while, like how do you feel? Oh, it's awesome, man, dude. Last year was my whole branding exercise. We got all the social handles. We did it all. It was like it was like a goal of mine to get everything, and um, yeah, the Founder.com much much too much similar. Like probably not set for us. It wasn't seven years, but that was a long journey for me to to get it. Um, uh, and man, it's, it's an amazing feeling like, because I'm in this for the long term. I want to build like a household name, entrepreneurial brand. And I think, you know, no one cares about founder mag. We don't just produce magazines. Um, so, you know, it was, it was just a, a net for me. It was like a necessary way to evolve. Um, yes, for us, it was a lot of money too. Um, but much like yourself, we just dripped it out of a payment plan and you know, it's, it's, uh, it, I see it as a massive win. How did you do the negotiation? That's something I'm always curious about people. Like, how did you approach the different handles and stuff like that? Any, like, kind of takeaways that you learned through that process? Yeah, 100%. So it's actually, I'll say it's public, you actually cannot buy and sell social handles. Um, so that you have to link it to um, something like a domain or you have to link it to something or it has to be like um, like a trade um, of, some short, of some sort. The way that I've, that I did it with all of this stuff, like the domain, all the social handles is you need to find someone that's very, very good at it. And there, there are experts out there that are, that are like asset, uh, like asset acquisition specialists. And I was lucky that hmm. someone, someone randomly added me on LinkedIn. Um, someone randomly added me on LinkedIn. She's from Australia, not from Melbourne. And she was just an absolute superstar. Like she's brokered, like her company's brokered one of the biggest domain deals of the whole year, like of the year, like it was like a massive, like she, 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 her and her company do this all day, every day. And, um, so she helped me and she's an absolute superstar. She helped me work through and pick off every single social handle. And wow. she also advised me 
on the on the the founder.com deal just from the background um just just kind of just helping me like so that's how i did it um and uh yeah um i think much like you you know how you said when, when you're building your team you want the very best people in the world same for me when I, when I, if I don't know something like, you know, how you're trying to master and grow your YouTube, I, I, I saw that you said you like, got a consultant, you know, someone that's really, really good that just tells you and shows you what to do. That's what I do with the domain. I think one, that was awesome. And can, can you message me or her email 100%. so I can uh, use it for something? The second thing that I would actually recommend that I've, you know, I think I've done more this year than any other year is just go find or ask for referrals of the best people in the world at different things you're trying to learn. So I've been really aggressive. So this year with podcasts and YouTube and even stupid ones, I'll tell you some of the stupider ones. I just like, all right, who's the best in the world at this? Let me just go pay them to coach me or pay them to teach me or pay them to help me like accelerate my learning. Cause that type of like return and knowledge is just compounded forever. So I paid the top, a guy who's the top, one of the top producers for NPR. I just was like, yo, I went and looked and I just messaged, messaged a bunch of them. I was like, Hey, I have a podcast. Can I just pay you to actually just look at my show and, and help me improve it. I found one of the top YouTube people that does coaching. I was like, all right, how much is it? Sure. It was like two fifty an hour. I was like, no problem. Yeah, it's, it is expensive, but it's not actually expensive. It's an investment that now forever my videos are better. Uh, I even have stupid ones. I have a fantasy football coach. <laughs> so like I pay a guy, no joke. I pay a guy 10 bucks a week to coach me on how to be a better fantasy football player. That's awesome, you know, man. Yeah. I mean, you should get in all aspects. Like even if you're into chess, right? I was talking to a chess grandmaster last week. These guys don't actually, it's not even that crazy expensive. It's probably like, I think 50 bucks an hour and you have one of the best people in the world helping you be great at chess. And so just, I think more people can think about that for writing, for photography, for video and in any aspects of your personal or professional life. Mm, I agree. I agree. So you can use some good services is clarity.fm or coach.me. There's, there's some good ones there. Um, all right. We have to work towards wrapping up. I'm curious. You've, you've spoken uh, or I have seen somewhere that you said that you've, you know, I don't know whether it's Sumo or across the Sumo group, you know, you, you guys are an eight figure business. Um, what's your biggest challenge right now? Uh, you know, now you're, you're over eight figures because what took you from multiple seven figures to eight, so like two to 10 or 10 plus, there's different challenges. I'm curious what, what your biggest challenges are right now in growing there's- it. Yeah, I think we have a few different problems. And for me, I'll tell you, I've been doing this thing and I'm excited to share it for the past three weeks. I've been doing no complaining and uh, I love it. I love it. So you can't complain about anything. And what that does is now all I'm looking at is like, what are my solutions and how do I look at, you know, more optimistic about things? So the things that we need to solve to, you know, keep growing our business. um, Number one, is that, you know, sumo.com has been flat this year. I'm not going to act like, oh, we made a ton of money and it's killing. It's like, no, it's been, a, it's been a tough year for us. I think there's been some identity things, some strategy things, some difficulties with, you know, with our hiring and with the people in the company, including my, mostly myself too. It's not, yeah, I think I'm, I'm one of the, the main problems. And so one of the major problems is like, how do we get Sumo back on a, you know, hyper growth trajectory in 2018? And it's figuring out like, okay, what's our strategy? And then how do we have the right people on board to help figure out that strategy? Uh, that's one thing with AppSumo. I think there's actually some challenges of how do we create a sustainable business? I think some of our customers aren't uh, going to be customers for the long term. Then actually, they don't actually have businesses. Uh, so when we're promoting products to them and they're buying it, we're like, yeah, we're making money, but they might not actually be using the products. 
And so how do we create more of a sustainable company uh, around that? I think uh, ultimately what I'm trying to figure out too is how do we piece together the different parts of our business? So we have like, I think four different products right now. Uh, and so it's like, how are they all related? And how do we benefit by having these products all related? Uh, and so just kind of tying that all together. I know that's not as helpful for maybe you or the listeners. I'm trying to think of other things that maybe it's better for more helpful for the listener, but that's kind of the stuff that I'm thinking through. Like how do we tie our businesses together? How do I create sustainability around AppSumo? The one thing I mean, maybe that's helpful for the listeners is that every business has problems. Like Nathan, your business has problems. The listeners' businesses have problems. I think what we've done well is we we face reality and we're truthful with ourselves. Like what are our biggest problems and how do we solve it? So with, you know, with Sumo, it's like, how do we get our growth back? And so we think it's like serving an e-commerce customer is one way of that. We think it's, you know, picking a strategy of targeting Shopify uh, and then building the product and the marketing all around that uh, is, is the strategy we're looking going into 2018. And then with Sumo, with AppSumo, our problem is that the revenue is inconsistent, right? We have some products that are great deals, some products that flop. And so we launched briefcasehq.com, which I was mentioning earlier, which is basically 50 bucks a month. You get all the tools you need to run your company. So just like Netflix for software. And that solves the main problem of AppSumo where it's like, you know, one major brands like Dropbox won't want to work with us because they don't do discounts. And two, the business is kind of, you know, fluctuating. So some months great, some months crappy. And so it solves those problems. So I think in every business, it's like, all right, what's the list of all the major problems we have and then how are we addressing those? And then, you know, you keep going through that list quarterly, uh, you're going to do pretty damn well. Mm. No, look, I, I appreciate the honesty and transparency, man. A couple last questions. Uh, probably, probably we should, uh, one last question, two more and we'll yeah. do that. Um, yeah, sure. Um, you know, you've done some crazy stuff. Uh, you know, you've worked at, you know, one of the largest companies in the world, early stage employee there. You've seen, done some awesome things. Um, you've got, you know, across the Sumo Group, you know, multiple successful businesses. Yes, you, I can see you're having like a lot of fun along the way. Can you have it all? Wow. I, yeah. Hell yeah. So I think it should be hard though. That That's one thing I, I think it's like hard now, easy later. And, you know, people ask me from time to time, they're like, right, what's your exit? Are you going to go public? Are you trying to sell it? Uh, and I won't bullshit if like, you know, Nathan, you're like, hey, I'm going to offer you a hundred million bucks. I'll be like, fuck yeah, I'm out. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd be like, everyone at the company gets rich. You know, I get pretty well. But like, what I think is actually more interesting is at the end of the day, I just want to work on products I love. Like I love serving small business customers. I, I love it. I love helping products I like get promoted. That's really what I love. And I love working with the people I, I like. And so to me, if I can do that daily, Fuck yeah. Doesn't mean that every day is going to be great. And I think sometimes I forget that. Like not every day is going to be, you know, a home run or uh, an amazing, you know, amazing thing. But I think the the thing I try to do is that if things aren't going well, you know, like a few months ago, I was complaining about people I worked with. And I was like, well, no, you're not powerless. What can you do about it? And go, let's go make those changes. And so I think that for me, what I've been realizing with it lately is like, what can I do about it? And then what are my areas of growth? So for me, my area of growth is like, I don't know anything about Shopify. So that's that for me, I don't know, having it all, I don't think of it that way, but that for me is my, my area of growth right now. We're learning about that market and those customers and, and growing around there. I think everyone should have it all. I think what most people, what most people don't do is they don't figure out what they want. That what they do is they say like, oh, Noah's got a company makes eight figures. Doesn't mean eight figures in revenue does not mean eight figures in profit, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I want to highlight that. A lot of people, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm sure you interview, you've interviewed a ton yes, of people. Of Anybody who starts talking about their revenue right away or how many employees they have, I think is full of shit and probably is not doing as well as you think. 
Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's it's another vanity metric, man. Revenue. Yeah, they're like, or they have a small penis. You know, who knows? <laughs> like, but I don't really care about how, the money. Is you know, I still drive a scooter and I live in a small apartment. Uh, so the bigger thing for everyone out there is like, what do you really want? Because once you figure out what you want, getting it is a joke. Getting it is the easy part. But I think a lot of us just not, are, you know, including myself at times, but we don't spend the time to think like journaling or walking or meditating or whatever it is for each person. Uh, and then you, if you spend time doing that, then going after it becomes the fun part. Just one more question on that. Um, do you tell yourself that question still, if I get to this, it's going to be awesome? Because I know everyone so, does it. Yeah, I would say two things that I, I try to remind myself. So number one, if you have fun, your customers have fun. So a lot of the times, like for Black Friday, I'll tell you, we spent like three weeks trying to figure out what we should do for Black Friday. And then my business partner was like, oh, I have a stupid idea. And he was like, we should just like launch this new product that we're working on and then use it as part of our Black Friday thing. So and you'll be able to see it on, on that day. And I was like, dude, that sounds hella fun. That sounds like such a cool thing. And, and I think we, we lose that. And when you feel that way, your business is better, your customers are excited. And I think if you can come back to that, that place, uh, it works well for you. Uh, to your original question, which is, do I think the next new shiny thing will be better? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm always thinking like, we always think the grass is greener and there's always dog shit in other people's grass. Yeah, you know, there's 100%. always dog shit in it where I'm like, oh man, if I had that guy's business, you know, my life would be better. And what I've realized is two things. Number one, jealousy, or when you look at other people uh, about what they have, it's just a compass of what you need to be doing for yourself. So if you're jealous of some other thing, it's like, well, what is it about my life that I need or I want to work on? And that's it. And the second thing is I do remind myself, you have to be around people like that or remind yourself of that, is that the, the next shiny thing won't solve the problem. And I've done, dude, I can't tell you, uh, man, in just AppSumo and Sumo alone, I'm like, oh, man, once we build this one feature, we're saved. Mm. <laughs> man, I'll tell you, in, in seven years of this company, it's never worked that way. It's always been like grind in, grind out every day. Just, you know, keep putting in the work. Yeah, 100%, man. I, yeah, I love it. All right. So last question, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and your work? Yeah. So the two businesses, like that if you want to hang out with me, you just, these are the businesses that, I, you know, it's kind of like me in software form is appsumo.com, which is our uh, daily deals for small business owners, like your audience. And then sumo.com, which is free tools to grow your email list. And then if they want to hear my voice, I got a podcast, Noah Kagan. You can just search that on YouTube, Noah Kagan. Awesome. Well, look, can, uh, can I give a shout out of a book? Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah, of course, man. So two books that have changed our business dramatically this year. Uh, number one is five dysfunctions of a team. I don't know if you've read this book no, or other people read have read it, one. but we had a lot of internal struggle and I was a big problem of it. And this book, uh, was dramatic in us, like working through our problems and becoming a stronger team. So I would even say, I'll just give that one. That's it. So if people want to, if the people have a team and they want to improve their team dynamics, uh, highly recommend it. Okay. Awesome. I'm writing that one down. All right. Awesome, man. Well, look, dude, it was an absolute pleasure to uh, do this interview. It was really fun. Great to connect. And uh, yes, fine. Yeah, Four years dude, later. Dude, we'll, we'll catch up soon in person or, or again. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you so much, dude. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, 
and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.